Okay, I think we are ready to go. We have our, we have our water situation settled. We do. Uh, I should stay hydrated. Um, yeah, I don't think this is going to be a very long episode. I just get the feeling. Yeah, and not that's not a commentary on the movie. It's just that it's a very simple, direct plot. Very straightforward. It seemed like a very short movie compared yeah. to like, I mean, the last one we just watched was Cimarron. So yeah, anything's... yeah, that one was two hours. This one was uh, an hour and a half, I think. If that, yeah. Like, I mean, and I'm glad it didn't need to be longer. Uh, I mean, I think a snootier critic might say it's a bit of a trifle. But here's um, my thing. What's wrong with trifle? Exactly. What's wrong with trifles at all? Well, I mean, sexist undertones, but we'll get to that. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, everyone. Hello, I'm Jason. I am Laura. And welcome to Come Back a Star, a movie award royal wedding farce. Yep. We are watching every Best Picture winner and nominee from 1927 onwards, and this is episode number 028, The Smiling Lieutenant. Ha <laughs> ha, yes. It's another Ernst Lubitsch musical comedy starring Maurice Chevalier. Is it okay if I'm jumping right into the summary? I don't uh, think there's much. No, that's just fine. And I just wanted to remind everyone, uh, in case you didn't remember, this is, uh, this mirrors, what's it called? The Love Parade. Yes. I thank you for Was remembering that? the title. I couldn't remember it. <laughs> it. It is a little bit forgettable. Um, was that also a Lubitsch film? I believe it was. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. Oh, and probably should go through, we rate, we rate it with categories and whatnot. Oh, right, right, right. So what we do in this podcast is we uh, kind of cover the plot, kind of review the, uh, the story of this movie and provide our little commentaries as we go along. And at the end of that, we rate the movie on several different categories, um, acting, writing, cinematography, and overall and then after that, we give the movie some chance for uh, some bonus points. Some bonus points to, you know, pick up any slack. And at the very end of all that, we decide whether we're going to nominate it for our very own Notsker. It's very prestigious. It's frankly a little better than the actual Oscars. Just got to put It's that a little bit there. more discerning. I like mm-hmm. I like that Academy better than the uh, the Academy that gives out the Academy Awards. No. Number one, no one is alive to. Number two, no one cares enough to bribe us to like certain movies better. So this is our honest take. So Notskers, far more honest through necessity than the actual Oscars. Yep, I'm saying it. Oh, man. That's uh, those are fighting words. Those are fighting words. Um, if we're sued, uh, Jason said it, not me. <laughs> Anyways, so this Ernst Lubitsch musical comedy uh, stars Maurice Chevalier. Uh, and it opens in the surprisingly lush barracks of a military outpost in Vienna. I mean, it just, it's like yeah. he has like, it's like a hotel suite. I guess this is for like the rich boy soldiers, I'm guessing. I guess so. I mean, he's an officer, but, and they make this whole point of him being, well, he's just a common lieutenant, which is a low rank in the army, I'm assuming. Um, I guess. And, but he still has like a butler and pretty lavish accommodations and he also doesn't really show up for work unless he absolutely has to he hears the bugle in the morning and goes back to bed i mean relatable but also how i mean my guess is he's just from a rich family i can't really think of why else he'd get away with this unless things are just that different in pre-world war ii vienna yeah and you get the feeling that he's window dressing in fact he mentions that in his little song that it's basically like he's there to kind of show up um, because he's a royal guard, I guess. I think Maurice Chevalier's whole persona is, I am lazy, 
I mm-hmm. like the ladies. I skate through life on my charm. And uh, I guess that's okay because aren't I likable? But that's where I feel like you're either totally buy into that and love that rascal Chevalier or, or you're like, I don't see that winning charm. And I hate to say it. I think I am in that camp because I just don't quite see the charisma that everyone else sees when Chevalier comes on screen. You don't even see it at the start of the movie? Um, You mean when he uh, goes right back to bed? That, that, Like that I said, that is relatable. But... Uh, see, for me, he goes from kind of lovable scamp to... um. Boorish I, and... I guess you know it's the hindsight. I mean, in the very beginning, yeah, he is kind of just like this uh lovable Bugs Bunny-ish kind of scamp who yeah, he gets away with stuff, but it's harmless stuff that really right. doesn't hurt anybody. But as the plot goes on, it's like he does start to hurt people, and so it's kind of like, you are not worth this. And yeah. that's my prevailing thesis of the movie, but I'm getting major. I, f- I feel like we've all kind of met people like this in real life who are very, very charming and very lighthearted on the on the surface. And then, well, then things go badly. Yeah. And these, they don't seem to really take responsibility. Yeah. These kinds of people, when push comes to shove and they have to they find themselves in a situation they don't want to be in, their whole persona kind of breaks down because they've never had to build up that kind of resistance and character to deal with stuff they don't right. want to deal with. and. uh that would be fascinating to study if it were to like follow him actually having to pay for any consequences. But as we see, that's not quite what a Chevalier movie is all about. So instead, you know, they would critics who love Chevalier would say I'm taking his persona far too seriously. And I am, but it's just because it kind of pisses me off. So here we are. Yeah, it, at a certain point in this movie, it goes from being kind of like, oh, it's like he's such a goofball, flight of fancy, it's fun, um, until they create a situation that's not fun. So really, that's on them. And again, it's a lot like Love Parade in that. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> there, there's an evolution towards yes. or devo, de-evolution that's, of the character. That That's true. Uh, but he is a ladies' man, obviously, uh, playing uh, Lieutenant Nicky Von Prane. And he's talked into playing wingman to his married friend who wants to romance a young violinist named Franzi, played by Claudette Colbert, the leader of an all-female orchestra. And uh, an all-female orchestra in a beer garden. In a beer garden. I feel I felt like that was important. It, it is important. And uh, Vienna, I think, was just a really popular place in like pre-World War II uh, pop culture because I've seen quite a few movies especially ro- probably romantic comedies that were set in Vienna uh, during right. this time I just saw one with a, a jewel robbery starring uh, Kay Francis and William Powell that takes place in Vienna I think it was just I guess economically in a really good place uh, and a lot of people rich people would vacation there um, and then once again World War II happened so I guess this is just this is kind of its pinnacle it's um, right most popular time. So that's where we are in a beer garden with pretty ladies playing us music as we drink beer. Right. Quietly. Quietly. Drink quietly because they get shushed for talking yeah. quietly at the beer garden, which I don't know, is unlike any beer garden I've ever experienced, but maybe the things were just different back then. I mean, let the little lady play her violin, please. 
Uh, you know, I'm not saying like shouting or anything like that. But the idea that you go to a beer garden to be completely silent is just. I think she was kind of weird. Yeah. It is weird, but the whole setup's kind of weird. Unsurprisingly, it's Nikki who wins Franzi's heart, and the two fall in love. Yes, Nikki instead of his unnamed married friend. Unnamed I think. married friend who just kind of disappears from the plot, which breaks no one's heart, really. I yeah, mean. he's just kind of there. He was he was the vehicle for which Chevalier meets Colbert. He does his he he fulfills his purpose and then he Fs off into the distance. Mm-hmm. When King Adolf of Flausenturm visits Vienna, Nikki leads the formation to greet them. However, when he sees Franzi waving at him across the way, he smiles and winks at her, just as King Adolf and his daughter Anna, played by Marian Hopkins, pass by in their coach, and Anna believes the smile and wink are aimed at her. Uh, Nikki, initially deeply insulted, uh, Anna and her father have Nikki come to them personally to explain himself. Uh, Nikki improvises and says he only did so because he was so taken by Anna's beauty. Anna, a prudish, sheltered girl, immediately succumbs to his flattery and becomes besotted. She talks her father into making Nikki their adjutant while they're in uh, Vienna. And uh, yeah, Miriam Hopkins was a pretty fascinating actress at this time. She was uh, uh, kind of the, this was a Paramount picture. And she was kind of the most popular star at Paramount um, and uh, eventually was unseated by her uh, great rival, Betty Davis, who. okay, Yeah. And uh, I think she, you know, Hopkins missed a lot of opportunities. Uh, She was actually offered the role in It Happened One Night that Claudette Colbert, her rival in this movie, ended up getting instead and won the Oscar for in just a few years time. Um, But I always loved Miriam Hopkins. I mean, she could ham it up really intensely but to me she always sells it and i think she's one of the more likable presences in this movie i don't know yeah and hamming it up i felt like would be a detriment in a lot of movies but not this movie not this one um it would be weird if they were dead serious. if they were dead serious in this and took it you know too seriously that would have been a big Mm -hmm. big old bummer i also kind of liked um her dad oh yes the, the man playing uh King Adolf the Fifteenth yes. of Flausenthurm. I actually looked him up because I liked him so much. His name was Charles Barbier. I guess he was mostly a stage actor, but I feel like he's so frankly kind of just American that he yeah. just, that it just it really is funny to see him playing this kind of stuffy king. And he actually strikes me as a good dad too. Like, yeah, which in is a kind sense, of in nice a sense, movie. in um, a sense, uh, as much as his role allows. And he's as susceptible to Chevalier's flattery as uh, as his daughter, which I thought was kind of cute as well. Yeah, when he like like the first thing he does is like shove a newspaper about uh, what Chevalier did to Chevalier with the picture of him. And Chevalier's like, oh, that picture doesn't do you justice, sir. And immediately the guy like has this big smile on his face like, oh, and it yeah. works. He really he really sells and it. it. And it leads, I think, to probably the best bit in the movie where he says like, oh, check out this picture. And it's him smiling on their currency. Yeah. <laughs> And Chevalier is like, oh, yeah, it's a much better picture. And he pockets it. It was very. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like the little bits like that are were good. And I noticed there were little bits like that in Love Parade, too, that I think were funnier than really the plots are. Like just those little moments. Right. And just little moments. I mean, there. I wish there were more of them. Yeah. I, I almost wish this movie were a little bit sillier. I agree. When they tried to bring the path of sin, that's when we noticed, like, what a jerk Chevalier's character is. Um, and it's like, it would have been better if everyone was kind of on the same page as him. Yeah. Or, or if he was just 
maybe over the top atrocious and you're supposed to recognize him like that. I mean, and then I'm, he thinking, gets I'm thinking about Groucho. Uh, yeah, honestly, honestly. As, as Rufus T. Firefly. Seriously, like you're not exactly mm-hmm. like there's no real pathos in Duck Soup, but that's how he gets away with being Rufus T. Firefly. Um, but this is kind of like a darker turn, like if you uh, try to make it a little more realistic and then that's when it all kind of falls apart. Yeah, there's a part where it's just like, and how we're going to be serious and it just it doesn't it doesn't sit work. well. No. no. Um, so let me move on and cover our second part here. Both, uh, both Nikki and Franzi are at first happy to play along with, um, with this whole, he, he winked and and smiled at Anna, the princess, but, uh, and they are content to keep their tryst confined to the small hours of the night while Nikki plays Anna's jundant during the day. And they even sing like a whole song about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Franzi's totally cool with this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she's a pretty uh, cool, sweet gal overall. Yeah, she she's a very modern woman. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, and that's something we should mention, too, is that this is definitely a pre-Hays Code movie. Yeah, this has got to be the raciest, what, if not the raciest, one of the raciest movies we've covered so far. I mean... Right. There's a lot of implications. and Yeah, and, from the get-go, like we see a lady leaving his apartment in the very beginning in mm-hmm, the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, this uh, cuts right to it. Uh, Chevalier's whole, I mean, Chevalier was kind of like the, uh, oh, I don't know who would be a good uh, example. He was just like a sex star, really. Um, Mm -hmm. And which is weird to me because it's Maurice Chevalier. (laughs) But, you know, I'm not going to judge their tastes. (laughs) uh, The smile doesn't do it for you, huh? I can't say it does to me personally. It's like. He's not super charming to me, but I could see how some people, especially of that era, could find him charming. I mean, he yeah, because he's so like upfront and charming and suave and funny, which is probably a big contrast to kind of the stuffier people, especially as portrayed in this movie, um, mm-hmm. the royals and everything. He probably did seem like a breath of fresh air, but in to a modern audience, it's just it comes off as smarmy. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so they're, they're keeping up this, uh, this farce of him kind of leading Anna and her father around Vienna during the day and them, uh, Nikki and Franzi kind of, uh, hooking up at night. Mm -hmm. And what really throws a wrench into the works is Anna suddenly insisting on marrying Nikki and Nikki finds himself unable to say no after getting pressured by both Anna's father and the Austrian emperor. Yeah, it's a it's and it's the first time we see that like this Chevalier character uh, in this movie having to confront something he can't control and can't change. And uh, he just doesn't have the tools to cope with that. Yeah. Or the backbone or the backbone. Exactly. He He's used to talking out of things, and then when he gets stonewalled, basically by by these two older royal men with higher rank than him, he's kind of he folds. He folds, folds like an umbrella. What a man! Mm-hmm. So, Franzi realizes that there is kind of no way out of this, and leaves Nikki a note and her garter to remember her by. Yep. Which, I mean, I don't know what he was supposed to do holding onto that garter. I guess. Like, hide it in a drawer for his entire life? I don't know. Probably. You know, a little keepsake. 
little romantic, sexy, keepsake. I guess we're talking about royals. They should be used to this sort of thing, being uh-huh. forced to marry each other. Forced to marry each other and keeping cuties on the side. It's how it's their bread and butter. Mm-hmm. All right. So Nikki marries Anna, but refuses to consummate the marriage, breaking her heart. He proves himself a rude, ungrateful husband and takes up with Franzi again when her orchestra comes to Flausentherm. Anna soon finds out and tricks Franzi into visiting her at the palace. Both ladies insult each other, slap each other, and then dissolve into heartbroken tears and apologize to each other. Yep. It's, um... It was not quite as cute as I think it was intended to be. Right. I mean, it made them both come off pretty childish. Uh, But... And at first I was like, oh, good, they are making them friends. But then I was just like, but it's very in a kind of male fantasy sort of way of like yeah. the mistress and the wife are best friends now. And yeah. it's like that is, that would be cool if Anna then got the guts to leave for uh, Nikki and uh, become pals with Franzi. But no, no, I mean, there isn't even a. um there isn't even like a friendship that goes beyond Nikki. No, because, yeah, they bond over talking about like how hot they think Nikki is. Yeah. I mean, it's just like it's such like this masturbatory fantasy of like the Chevalier characters. He's so hot that like the two rivals for his heart end up bonding over how hot he is. <laughs> it's just like, oh, guys. Yeah, it's it's a bit much. Um, Yeah, so they. um. They become fast friends, and when Franzi discovers that Anna knows how to play the piano, she uh, encourages her to take up jazz and dress sexier. If jazz up your music like your lingerie, she sings, do, 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 do. or jazz up your lingerie like your music. It's um one of those jazzy things. One of those jazzy things. Uh, so after the makeover, Franzi decides that it's time to break ties with Nikki for good. After a tearful goodbye with Anna. Franzi leaves Nikki one more goodbye note and her other garter. You know, and you know, it's it's so unfair to the Franzi character because she says, like, because Anna's crying, she's like, oh, don't worry about me. Girls who stay for breakfast can't be expected to stay for supper. As if she says, I'm just the slutty girl. I'm it's okay. I'm all right with it. I don't need a husband or to be taken care of or to have any of the nice things you do. I'll be okay. And it's just like if that were like her free choice, fine, whatever, but it's just it's like the movie saying like this very nice, attractive, smart, talented girl does not deserve to be held in the same class as someone like Anna because, you know, she's Because she around. moved too fast. She moved too fast and she sleeps around. And it's just yeah, uh, it's just not fair to her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the I guess it was the mores sort of of the time. Oh, but, absolutely. But but they made that choice. They made that choice and they could have had the chance to be more progressive and they decided to play it safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, per, per usual. Per usual. Um, so. Uh, after she leaves the garter, <laughs> she also uh, in this note, she leaves a postscript calling Anna a charming girl and encouraging Nikki to get to know her better, which I mean, it's it's sad that he needed his mistress to tell him to do that. Exactly. It's like you're married to this person. You might as well know who they are. (laughs) I mean, and it's all his fault. Like in the very beginning, when she when he, you know, gets in trouble for winking, uh, you know, when Anna sees that uh, 
crazy. Tells him, well, just tell them the truth that uh, you were winking and smiling at me. And he's like, oh, no, no, I'd still get in trouble because I still shouldn't have done that. And I'm like, OK, but probably less trouble than you're now. And you probably also wouldn't have to convince Anna that you're in love with her. And so I mean, this is all his fault. And these two women are working so hard to earn this dude's love. And it's just not worth it. Yeah, as he was saying, like, oh, I was uh, smiling and uh, winking at you because I thought you were so beautiful. As he was saying that, I was already, like, going through my mind, like, how could he have said anything differently to just get out of this? And he could have just said, like, I was smiling at you because you're so beautiful. And then kind of, like, left it at that or something like that. But instead, he had to uh, talk about how, well, winking means that I wanted to do something about it. I mean, because he's... And again, I think it's an example of how like his character, very shallow, very used to just talking his way out of things and figures, oh, well, you know, this is just another flirtation. We'll leave it at that and I won't get in trouble. And uh, the fact that Anna then takes that seriously is something we where we could have really like spent more time fit like when this kind of uh, behavior breaks down and doesn't work how he might have to actually work harder to become a better, more genuine person. But we don't get that. We get Anna and Franzi having to do the work to please him. Right, right. And to fix the marriage, too. And to fix the marriage. He does literally nothing. (laughs) It's true. He doesn't really get that much of a character, honestly. It's just kind of like he's a charming doofus and uh, Chichon's wife, which isn't cool. No. Doesn't bother to get to know her. Mm -mm. Doesn't really do much of anything that he doesn't want to do. Nope. And and then he wins at the end. Well, because he's so likable. <laughs> okay, so Nikki is at first depressed after receiving Franzi's note and second garter. And but when he hears Anna playing the piano, he enters her room to see her new sexy look and confident manner. I just love the shot of when he sees her and she's got like a cigar in her mouth and she's just going crazy on the piano. She's got on like sparkling evening gown. Nice bob and everything. Nice bob. It's awesome. And then she changes into a nighty. Yep. And so oh, this is the, the gag. He sits down, has a drink, goes downstairs, hears her playing the piano. Goes back, checks the bottle to see what he just drank because he can't believe it. Goes back downstairs. She changes into a nighty for some reason. She's already changed. Yeah. And so he goes back up, has another drink. And we're figuring at this point, this is going to last like 15 minutes of him running back and forth. But then he comes back down and she's in an evening gown. Yeah, it's just like. Why did you change three times? uh, She has a whole bunch of new sexy looks and she's going to shove it right in his face. Yeah. And so the two finally consummate their marriage, and Nikki proudly announces that he has a new commanding officer in his sexy royal wife. Which I guess enrages me a little less than the ending of Love Parade. Um, I mean, how how could it do worse than Love Parade? I honestly? know, but at the end of the day, it's still that he broke two women's hearts and literally got rewarded for it at the end. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And so that's the movie. Like, that is it. It's, I think, the shortest summary I've ever written. Um, I mean, there is singing. Right. But it's not nearly as much as in Love Parade. (laughs) That must have been one thing Lubitsch decided to correct. was like, okay, we don't need this much singing. Um, There's still not many memorable tunes, even if there are fewer to keep track of. Um, Yeah, this is a movie that kind of offended me in a lot of ways, but not enough to really you know, make me tear into it like I would with something like Trader Horn. But 
it's a trifle. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I don't think it necessarily meant any harm. It just kind of like stumbled around. Yeah. I mean, I think it was definitely one of those movies that I'm sure was a nice distraction in the early thirties for people. So bully for it. Yeah. So that's our, that's our summary there. Yep. Um, Shall we go on to rating it? Let's do it. Okay, so acting is our first category. Oh. How do you feel about the acting in this film? Well, you know, I did like, uh, as you said, uh, Barbier as the king. He was great. Um, I thought Colbert and Hopkins were both really good. I thought they were able to bring some good, um, even if they're, you know, they had to play like kind of the childish crying and cooing over Chevalier. They were still, you know, confident enough that they... Uh, brought some meat to their performances. I mean, Chevalier, I mean, I guess what he did what he did well, but it's never going to be my favorite thing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'll give it like a seven, I guess. I was going to give it a seven as well. I actually thought that the for for what was needed, everyone did a pretty good job. Yeah. Even even Chevalier. Even Chevalier, Chevalier did the most Chevalier he could do. He did. He did his Chevalier shtick quite well. And oh, another thing we should mention is that his uh, he must have gotten just like better diction or something like that when uh, bef- between here and Love Parade. Oh, and you because know, he was yeah. way more understandable, especially while, while singing. I think so. And I think also this the production values had gotten a little better in like the two, right. two years or whatever. And actually, you know what? I'm not going to change my grade, but I am going to give just a little sp- extra credit to Chevalier because I did read in the trivia that his mom had just died and so that this was a very hard role for him and it wasn't a very fun movie for him to make but he doesn't show that at all so I do have to give him credit for that that was it was a very good stiff upper lip performance as in stiff upper upper lip for a comedic romantic comedy role constantly grinning constantly grinning and smirking and all of that he is a smiling lieutenant after all yeah that's his job and so how did we feel about the writing? Um, I mean, pretty mediocre, frankly. I think, you know, I never really cared about Franzi and Nikki's relationship because that happened very quickly. Right. And um, you never it's only because he, you know, says that he like loves her and all of that, that you get the feeling he takes the tryst more seriously than his other trysts. But um and, you know, I mean, it's a short movie and I was relieved, but it also meant that I feel like it skipped a lot of character development, which, again, isn't like absolutely key for like a cute little romantic comedy like this. But it just didn't make me completely engaged. So I'm going to give it like a six, I guess. Six? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give it a four. Um, you know what? Actually, I'm going to give it a five, I think, because it was okay. just right in the middle. Not bad, not great. But I I admire your four. Do explain. Do explain. I'm giving it a four um, just because it was it was a good compact movie. I know that. I mean, mm-hmm. it it definitely beat out Love Parade in terms of like moving along and exactly. like not having bloat so much. Yeah. the I'm really glad they cut down on the songs. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I'm just giving it a four because I feel like it could have been better. They had a really good, solid, compact premise mm-hmm. of like this love triangle that gets worked out somehow. And then it, I had a little bit of hope when it started up and then that kind of dissipated when I, when I realized that my initial gut reaction was probably true. I mean, yeah, 
I don't think Chevalier will ever get punished in any of his films or ever have to face any real consequences. And so that's just kind of a baked in disappointment to these kind of movies. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, so our next category is cinematography. Um, pretty good, right? I mean, I think yeah. that there were some gorgeous, um, I guess it was filmed in a Astoria. But I think they've got must have used some stock footage of like actual Vienna, cause, right? And you know that was mighty pretty. Um, I guess we'll go with six. Nothing that really. Uh, there were some really impressive like wide shots of like the palaces and everything, but you know nothing too innovative. Which again is perfectly acceptable for a little romantic comedy. But compared to other movies we've done, yeah, yeah, I don't think it did poorly in anything, oh. and it did have some interesting shots. Um, but it really wasn't using the camera to tell the story. No. And, yeah. and really what it was doing was using this very tried and true story that everyone already knew, sort of. Right. To tell the story. Uh, so they didn't need the camera to tell the story. No. Uh, and lastly, we have overall, um, how well does the acting, writing, and cinematography fit together to make an overall product? Hmm. I'm... I'm going to give it a six. I am too. That was the first number that popped into my mind. Like pretty like middle of the road, but because the production values had improved since love parade, I am willing to give it just that little extra point. Um, just cause you know, it's a very good looking movie and everyone does their job well, but didn't love it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's about where I am. Um, so it has 47 points going into the bonus rounds. Okay, b -b -b bonus rounds. And now it is time for the bonus rounds. Uh, our first bonus round is costumes and set, and I think it did well in this one. I'm going to give it a five. Every, like I say, every movie in the 30s is probably going to get a five for me in this category. Uh, and I do think especially for like the sets. I mean, there is a part of me that wants to take off a point for uh, Chevalier's makeup. I think that they put way too dark lipstick on him it kind of made him look weird in close-ups but overall the look the costumes and the sets were very pretty yeah yeah i think so um the costumes were flashy it was a big production and mm -hmm. the sets were big and flashy and uh they they opulent. did it well yeah very opulent yeah it was it was a good job i'm also going to give it a five all right all right, our second chance for bonus points is boldness. And although it is kind of like a tired male fantasy type ending and everything like that, I am going to give it some points for being very frank about the sexual relationships that people had with each other. I Exactly. Um, and, you know, I think I'm sure a lot of people were scandalized that the mistress and wife became really good friends, but I found that the most refreshing part of the movie. Right. Again, you know, in my fan fiction version that I'll, I'm sure I'll write someday, uh, Anna would have joined uh, Franzi's orchestra as a pianist and left uh, Nikki behind to uh, cry and sulk. That would have been ideal, but not so not that bold. So I think I've, I will take off a point for that and give it four. The thing about and this is where I think free love in the 60s got it wrong is it's still, like you said, like kind of the misogynistic fantasy of. Yeah, it's not great to like shame somebody like an East Lynn for uh, embracing their sexuality. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, if you don't take anything seriously, then what 
do relationships even matter? Like, mm. so I feel like we've yet to find a balance as a society, really, for that. Yeah, the thirties is is trying. It's trying, and and, and, <laughs> and for that, I'll I'll match your four. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, and our next chance for bonus points is Legacy. Legacy. Um, I don't think I'll give it any. <laughs> Frankly, I mean, it was, I think it was quite popular at its time. I think it was like the highest grossing Paramount film of 1931 or whatever year we're in now. But, um, you know, it was, it was a big showy musical. It was a big showy musical. And there were certainly I, many that followed it, but I don't think it particularly like influenced any really. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, so what, what did we give Love Parade? Because I feel like. Anything that Love Parade did basically influenced influence this movie, but probably this movie had a better impression or better technical advancements, I think, maybe. Oh, absolutely. I do like this better than Love Parade. But I mean, I'm just not really seeing much of a legacy. It was just kind of one of many movies like this, frankly. And I mean, it did it well. But yeah, I just don't really see any great legacy it left behind. Okay. I'm going to give it three points because that's what I gave Love Parade. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I'm I'm cheating a little bit, but I feel like if you're a big time musical, um, you're going to remember this movie, especially shortly thereafter, and you're going to want to copy it. Okay, that's fair. I mean, you're, you're going to want a more complex script to make <laughs> a truly great movie, but. True. It could have been a blueprint for other but i do feel like the musicals that did follow uh that became really popular in the 30s were different than this in the fact that like um they tended to be more focused on like the stage and uh more kind of americanized but um i mean this did have like a popular subgenre uh of like uh the naughty marietta that we'll soon mm-hmm. have to watch but i just don't really see it having that much weight but I understand your reasoning, but I'll keep mine at, at zero at donut. Yeah. All right. Okay. So longevity, how well does this movie stand up over time? Well, like I said, better than love parade, but, and it, I, it does help that it's short and fast paced. Um, so I guess I'll give it a one just for that. Um, I can't really see it holding that much interest to people. I mean, Chevalier, I think, is still a name that's talked about in old movies, but it's, you know, not just because of the smiling lieutenant. It, right, He right. was in a lot of movies. So, yeah, I'll just give it a one for out of good faith. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and... I gave Love Parade a two. See, I'm I'm cheating here by looking at my previous scores. And I think Love Parade earned that and Legacy because I think it was Chevalier's first movie or at least first english movie that's true so i think you know that's what helped propel him to stardom whereas smiling lieutenant was just more of the same more of the same basically um let's see for longevity oh gosh i don't want to go up to three to make it beat uh (laughs) love parade because it is but it is like I think it does hold up over time a lot better than Love Parade. I think it for does sure. too, definitely. Yeah. I guess I'll, I'll bump it up to a three. Okay. Why not? That's that's fair. Um, 
and our last chance for bonus points is technical, which I, I think it did a good job with. Yeah, you know, I think I'll make up for my uh, shortness on legacy and longevity by giving that a five, actually, just because I am very impressed by how much they improved from Love Parade. Uh, yeah, nothing was really garbled. Um, you could understand people. The music scenes were well filmed. Yeah. And uh, almost perfectly dubbed. You know, it's <laughs> obviously like Colbert and Hopkins, I think, did their own singing. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're never going to probably be listed up there with like Ella Fitzgerald. But, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, they they still I think the dubbing was very good and that they, you know, sounded OK. So I think yeah, I think that speaks a very I, this is one of the better done musicals. Uh, that we've had so far, I think, when it comes to technical sound. So, yeah, give it a five. I'm going to excuse its um, miss it, miss sinking uh, Chevalier yeah. sometimes, <laughs> but I feel like since he was hamming it up so much, even while singing, it, that was one of those things that was just impossible. It's just you're impossible. Not, you're to not going to make his words match his mouth perfectly. No, no, that's um, a good point. But. That brings the total for Smiling Lieutenant to 82. Oh, not bad. Not bad. Yeah, not not too shabby. That puts it, compared to Love Parade, five points ahead, which I feel... That's earned, I think. Is Yeah, is about right. And just a little bit below the divorcee, which I also feel is about right. (laughs) About right. I'd say divorcee is a better film. Oh, sure. But... um, then again, this still might be the slightly more enjoyable film just because it's not as heavy handed. That's but, true. But then again, part of my criticism is that it presents these situations like Anna getting her heart broken and him being just an outright jerk and just doesn't take it seriously. Right. When they should have or else just not included that. So that's why I'm not total 100 percent fan of this movie. Okay. And that's our total score at an 82. Good good going, Smiling Lieutenant. You Very did good. okay. Yep. Uh, of course, the question is now, are we going to nominate this for a Notsker Award, a Movie Award, Podcast Movie Award? Nah. I don't think so either. It's, I mean, I feel like with a lot of these types of movies, when I look them up, Best Picture is their only nomination. And I don't know why it's nominated like it's again i you know you you take the risk of sounding really insufferably snooty like it's not like a very epic movie why should it have been nominated but it's like it didn't do if it had been something along the lines of like uh singing in the rain or fiddler on the roof and really you know transcended its genre then yeah let's nominate it but it was just another little frothy romantic comedy with slightly misogynistic un- overtones that doesn't really stick out that much. Yeah, I think it stuck out at the time. I, I mean, because it was very racy for 1930s. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And I do, you know, sure, I admire that. But again, I'd have admired it more if it hadn't also had the misogynistic edge. Yeah, if it had just tweaked things just a little bit, I feel like it could have been a pretty good picture. It would have been my favorite all-time movie if they both just left him high and dry. Like if the last <laughs> scene had just been him shrugging and turning to the bottle while his uh, two ladies go and live out their best 
uh, jazz loving lives. Or even Perfect just movie. Or even just turning to the camera and saying like, oh, well. Yep. And going off to seduce someone else. Yeah, exactly. That totally would have been fair. We've been acknowledging this is a shallow character who should not be taken that seriously by anyone. And these ladies should go live their lives away from him because he's he he's not worth it. He's no good. He ain't no good. And that's fine as long as you don't hurt anyone else. But he does. And he's rewarded yeah. for it. And it's stupid. So no, no, not, no, not <laughs> for you, smiley lieutenant. Um, but he'll be fine. You're married to a princess. Yeah, he'll be fine. He's married to a hot jazz jazz piano princess. Stupid bastard from from a tiny country that won't get involved in anything. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> nothing in the coming years will threaten the freedom and safety of Lazenthur. Okay, so I guess that's the short episode. Um, before we leave, I just want to let you guys know that you can contact us on Twitter at ComebackAStar, yeah, or via email at ComebackAStarPodcast at gmail dot com. You can also kind of communicate with us by leaving uh, iTunes review or, yeah. or a review on the podcasting platform of your choice. Um, we we want that feedback. We want to hear from you guys. I'm um, I'm I want to hear from you, fiery chevalier defenders tear me and rip this sjw a new one for uh misinterpreting the great uh the great chevalier's legacy i and and please do because i feel like i've been his def- defender so far <laughs> and Man. and mine is my defense has been lukewarm at best so yeah um don't put chase he's, of, yeah. he's fine he is what he is he's just not my cup of tea yeah you you just hate joy. I hate joy. Uh, I hate men. I hate uh, <laughs> is except for you, dear listener, who's a man. Uh, you're probably trash, but you know that's okay. <laughs> you can't help it. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's Smiley Lieutenant. That's uh, how to reach us over the uh, social uh, networking, and that's uh, my manifesto on uh, how uh, men are trash. Yep. This C Smiling Lieutenant. See Smiling Lieutenant and let me know uh, what a self-serious piece of trash I am. <laughs> Please do. And on that very divisive note, yep. um, you're kind of right. But uh, on am. that That's very, very divisive angry. note, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll uh, turn off this projector and pull down the curtains and sign off and... Have a nice new year. Yep. Bring it in. 2021. Yeah. Be better. 2021. Be better. Let your New Year's revolution. I almost said revolution. We should. Almost said resolution at the same time. Resolution. Resolution. Your New Year's resolution is to share this podcast with someone else. Let the resolution. Someone special in your life. Someone special who likes to play checkers in bed. Oh, yeah, we totally forgot the checkers in bed. Oh, well. Yeah, well, go see it. You'll know what we mean. (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye.